Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Stay tuned with the two of two O's. See? How's that? Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that we've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye-bye Saturday night. Welcome to yet again another Area 51 recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. The only podcast to guarantee that if you listen, you get to hear stuff. This week, it's episode 482. Let that number sink in for just a second. 482. What a phenomenal waste of time this has been. Oh, my God. I can I can remember going back 15 years or so to episodes that were three hours long and episodes that were 15 minutes long. Thank you, Clear Channel, for cleansing me of that routine. And it's another pandemic countdown day here. So in Area 51 tonight, it's things that go yuck in the night. We're going to have fun tonight, guaranteed. But it's another social distancing show night. And because the whole world is still caught up in the pandemic, I I have a couple of things I'd like to say about that. Um, Get a shot. Don't be a jerk. Get a shot. Wear a mask. Social distance. Wear a mask. Stop being a wimp. Get a shot. Just do what you're told. Because sooner or later, you know, all this stuff's going to end and. We can get back to being normal again. And Commander Cam is joining us tonight. Commander, how are you? I'm doing just fine. Why, thank you very much, Sir Dome. How, how are things in your uh, hermetically sealed cube tonight? Uh, I got some bad news for you, Dome. Uh-oh. What's going on? Well, you see, yeah, I got myself, you know, one of those fidget spinner things, you know, yeah, that, that, that apparently all the cool kids are using this year. That was like five years ago, but whatever. Well, we keep me locked up in a hermetic, hermetically sealed container, you know. I don't get out much. So I was playing with it, fidgeting it, well, and it may have gotten out of control, and uh, the hermetically sealed container is no longer hermetically sealed. There's a nice little crack running right down the length of it. Oh, Lord. So you, you might want to call somebody in and fix that, you know. I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm calling the, the hamster patrol guys to get them to fix that. Yeah, would, would you please, you know, I mean, you know, you know they, they do a really good job and they work for those little pellets. So, you know, hey, they do a good job. They do. They do indeed. <coughs> I'm still coughing from that drink that I had before we went on the air. <laughs> oh, Lord, that was a dumb move. But. What the heck? Good things happen to those who drink right before we go on the air, which in this case was me. Uh, 
tonight it's friend of a friend night here on Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Let me explain to you what that means. Uh, but in a way, it's kind of self-explanatory, which is why I'm going to go out of my way to explain it. When a friend of the show says, hey, I got a friend you should read, you read him. And if you enjoy him, you have him on the show. So the friend who said, I have a friend you should read in this case was C.T. Phipps, who has the uh, horror supervillainy stuff and, and also was on a couple months back with his Tales of Yogg Sasoth uh, short story project. And he said, uh, there's some other guys in the book. And I went, yeah, David Niall Wilson is in the book and he's been on the show before. He said, yeah, but there's this other guy you should really read. And I went, okay, so I think I'll read him. Hold on, I'm going to choke again. <clears throat> so I'm choking again. And in this case, his friend was a guy by the name of Matt Davenport. And Matt is the author of the uh, a series of Andrew Doran uh, short stories. Uh, he, he was in uh, the Yogg-Sasoth book, and he was in another book of Yig Revelations of the something, whatever, what was that? Revelations serpent. of the Serpent which is even weirder than the other one because they're all stuff about uh, Lovecraftian weirdness. And we're going to get into that whole thing. Uh, he's written a whole bunch of other stuff too. And we, we can get into the, uh, the broken night series uh, along with his brother, Michael, the trails of Ovid Marsh, uh, Satan salesman among other titles. But tonight we're talking about his rather strange addiction addiction to Lovecraftian things. He's a self-styled student of the Cthulhu mythos and exercises that influence in his many short stories. And as an editor in the blog Shoggothnet, whatever the heck that is, and I guess we'll talk about that a little bit too. Matt, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, Shoggothnet, that's a fun little side job. Um, yeah, I... Uh... I've got a lot of random little things out there, but also the only correction I'll make to your intro, uh, Andrew Dorn is more than short stories. He's got Good. two full novels out there, and the third novel uh, I just finished uh, looking over the edits. So we'll be I sending that to so the publisher happy soon. I am so to hear that. Yeah, I can't definitely. Tell you how happy I am to hear that, and so is Commander Cam. I'm yeah. thinking. Yeah, definitely. I, 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 you'll have to hook me up with it. Tell me where I can find those because, yeah. I, I like the character so much. I want to actually read something longer about this character. Oh, wonderful. That's great. When, I got lots of good news for you then. <laughs> All right. Excellent. That you were going to do the show uh, before we got the, uh, the, the other book, Gig uh, uh, Revelations of the Serpent. Uh, we first went back and reread, well, read for the first time from Tales of Yogg-Sasoth. Uh, Andrew Doran and the Forever Gate and read that book uh, read that short story and just kind of went well this is significantly different from any other short story in this book um, mainly because of the setting uh, which is kind of like you know you expected to hear a saxophone in the background, a mist coming over, and and you expect it to be in a trench coat, which is what I would have wanted, because it's got this uh, this 
and Lauren Bacall somewhere in there somewhere. Oh, definitely. <laughs> because I, it's I, really, I, it's really got this noir feel to it, and this this Humphrey Bogart. Uh, you know that that whole kind of vibe to it that I really, really, really loved. That's great. I uh I I know everybody likes to refer to myself included. Uh, Andrew Doran is kind of Indiana Jones versus the Mythos. Uh, but there were so many different influences when I first came up with him. Uh, the first uh the first was very easily uh, uh Brian Lumley's Titus Crow. I had just finished reading all of those, and my favorite part about it was the description of Titus Crow. Instead of instead of seeing the mythos and flinching, he punches it in the face, which is such a different <laughs> yeah. such a yeah, different take exactly. than anything Lovecraft. Because everything in Lovecraft is oh he passed out, or he got dragged out a window, or oh he went into the tomb and he never came out, or oh he's the monster. Uh, so as soon as I I had that little spark of inspiration. I uh, I jumped into I've also always been a huge fan of Indiana Jones because I used to be a archaeologist for a few years. And uh, so I, that that's always been in my background as well. And just the ba- the Nazis make easy bad guys, but they make easier bad guys when you've got Lovecraftian monsters at their beck and call, too. So that was it all just fell together really nice. Nicely. You're either the second or third archaeologist we've had who's taken his life and turned it into being a, a fiction writer. It's it's a it's easy easy background for characters. I'll tell you what, yeah, an archaeologist can do just about anything. <laughs> Evidently, yeah. So, how did you how did you <clears throat> where did this love for Lovecraft come for you? Because it's <clears throat> only a small segment of the kind of books that you write. Well, it it started so I. <clears throat> That's a great question. Uh, so Thanks. I, 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 I kind of <laughs> like that. <laughs> when I was a kid, I always loved horror. It was something my mom and I watched a lot of together. Uh, my dad's not a horror guy, so those, whenever those movies would pop up, I'd watch them. And uh, it's kind of carried with me a lot through my life. But when I was in high school, I was introduced to Lovecraft, uh, just one of the short stories. I can't even remember which one it was. It was either Shadows Over Innsmouth or Mount, Mountain's Madness. Um, I got them about the same time. And reading it, I just I got really entranced at the way – it it's not just a horror movie. It, it ends uncomfortably. It may it ends in a spot that each of them ends in a like specifically shadows uh, shadow over Innsmouth. The very end of the story. Spoiler anybody out there who hasn't read this. The very end of the story. You I learn think you're very, Oh okay great. <laughs> uh, you learn some very uh, questionable things. This guy is running the whole story for his life. He doesn't know what he's gotten into. He was just investigating some letters from a family member. And then at the very end, you find out he's one of the monsters. And and it's and it's like, wait, what? So there is no happy ending here. Not just that. The FBI comes in and destroys the the, the Innsmouth crowd. So now, his, now you don't know who to root for. Are you rooting for the guy who spent the entire book looking for his family? Are you sympathizing with him for finding his family? Or are you sympathizing with the whole species that just got nuked by the FBI? You know what I mean? It's it's such a – or are you sympathizing with the FBI? These are monsters. Kill them all. There's there's so many hung-up questions that, that just keep you hanging on at every word that, that 
it just attracted me to the next story. Then you get to add the Mountains of Madness. What is chasing them out of the cave? What is this Mountains of Madness? What's that barrel-shaped monster that's frozen down there? Why are these giant penguins really weird looking? I mean, it's so many questions and never giant penguins. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mountains of Madness. There's these albino blind penguins that have teeth in their bills and they're taller than a man. So when they run into them, of course, they like snips one guy's arm off. You know, fun stuff. <laughs> I need to hook you up with that one, Dome. I really yes, you do. I, yes, yes. What well, is this the giant book, penguin stuff? <laughs> the second book in the Andrew Doran series is called Andrew Doran at the Mountains of Madness, and he gets to meet those penguins as well. <laughs> Very cool. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, so the, the whole getting into Lovecraft, it started with that, and then I actually started running into other friends that had, had – discovered it and a lot of people find lovecraft this day and age through like uh video games or uh call of cthulhu role-playing game uh it was literally i lucked out in the fact that it was literally the stories um there's even uh when i started getting into it heavy uh there was a podcast the hp lovecraft literary podcast and uh i i was addicted to that for over a year or more and then uh that was that was when i decided uh going back to shadows over intimate that's when i decided you know i want to write and, and I, I know I'm jumping a spot. I, I learned so many, so many writers that I'm a fan of, like uh, Neil Gaiman, uh, Stephen King, all take their influences from Lovecraft, too. And when I learned that, I was like, all right, I want to try writing my own story. And then going back to Shadows Over Innsmouth, Trials of Obed Marsh is like my prequel to Shadows Over Innsmouth. I wanted I wanted to revisit that world and, and see – because when you get to Sh- Innsmouth and Shadows Over Innsmouth, the town is is old – and already deep in the pits of hell, but they talk about it like it was a shining beacon at one point. So I figured there was a good story in there of how it got to the pits of hell. And that after that, I just I just enjoyed writing Lovecraft so much, I just kept doing it. And it, get in between this stuff, you're writing other stuff as well. Oh yeah, I'm, my my entertainment is just like a television flip the channel onto something else i'm a big sci-fi nerd uh, i'm a big comic book nerd um i say i'm a big sci-fi nerd but I've, i still never have written that space story i've wanted to write um anytime any something gets in my my mind and i want to get it done i just put it down i start writing it well that's 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 kind of the cool thing about it don't you think i think is it's it... great <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about Andrew Doran for a bit. Okay. Where, what's what's the basis for this character? It's part Indiana Jones, part like uh, Humphrey Bogart, uh, and, and part uh, I don't know prize fighter. Yeah. So he's he considers himself kind of a man of the world. His Indiana Jones part is that he's got the archaeology degree. Um, and that he decided uh, because he graduated from Miskatonic University, the famous Lovecraft University, um, he knows there's monsters out there and he wants to make sure that they never win. So he, he pulls the Indiana Jones thing and he tours the world. Uh, he, he lives with different cultures. He tries to find out everyone's different belief systems so he can try to figure out all the angles on the mythos and not just learn what they are but how to stop them when they come after him and during that time the war world war ii starts uh and he gets and the germans this is how the first book starts the germans actually take miskatonic university's copy of the necronomicon and even though he's very upset with the school for even having the book and not locking it up under under lock and key uh he knows that the only way it's going to get back is if he gets off his butt and saves it 
And he has an apartment in Gotham, Massachusetts. No. No? Gotham, Massachusetts. Maybe he does. Was that in the Forever Gate? That, that, yes. I believe it was. Oh, then he might. (laughs) I, I, I think... Now you're making me question my own story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got that book up. Let me look. The story takes place in Salvation, Salvation Heights. What's which? Which is the stories that begins? You're thinking Arkham, Massachusetts. Because Arkham. I'm sorry. Gotham, Arkham. Yes. Gotham has a has a Arkham, Arkham University. Yes. Arkham. <laughs> or Arkham Asylum. Yeah. So okay, that's I was confused there for a second. You had that me scared. Me Whoa, did I mess minute. something up? <laughs> I'm going Arkham, and uh, then I went. So that's, that's how did that become part of that mythos? So so that was taken from Lovecraft. Uh, Arkham Asylum is the scary place where Batman shoves his villains. Right. He they they took that idea directly from Lovecraft. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So Arkham, the city of Arkham, is where Lovecraft basically bases all of his New England horror stories. It's it's like it's like Stephen King with the town of Derry. Uh, it, Lovecraft just made this fake town filled with mythos and horror and everything, and that's kind of where everything happens. And so yeah, Andrew Doran lives in Arkham now. That's where he keeps his apartment, and he goes back to that uh, regularly throughout the the whole books and everything. It's so weird, you know. And, and you, you're sitting there and you're reading it, and uh, Andrew has such a real feeling about him. I mean, I, I, I just I appreciate that. I, I, I like love, to get that from him. I love the way he responds to things, like uh, in the the journey to the Serpent Temple. You know, things like. The sea smells funny and the tree feels weird. Just his reactions to things like that. I think to go back to something that, Matt, you said earlier, and I and I didn't get a chance to second it, was if there was one thing that I was never crazy about about the original books, I know I'm speaking heresy here. but Oh, you're like, actually going to say this now? Okay. Well, I, well I'm going to say part of it. Okay. Is the, is the fact that, you know, like you said, every character fainted. Every character went insane. And I'm going, I can't believe every single person that there isn't people out there that can't look at these things and react like Andrew does. You know, like like you you said about Finch is like punch it right in the face instead of, you know, being shocked. I like that kind of reaction. There should be characters that do have that kind of reaction. And those are and but they, of course, should, they shouldn't be a lot of them, but I just I love those those characters that just are willing to look at that and go, no, I'm just going to hit you or I'm just going to outthink you or because Andrew actually more often than not, best I can tell, does outthink things as many times as he hits or shoots things. Sorry, I, I missed the last bit, the Andrew, uh, when you said Andrew, actually, my microphone cut out. Oh, sorry about that. No, it's just that that he, he even Andrew and quite often in just the two short stories I've read, which is why I'm interested in reading the bigger books, is he outthinks these things just as often as he uh, as he punches it or shoots it, as we kind of implied. 
you know, he, well, he, and he's, it's, he, it's funny you say that because I come from a, a background where I feel like, uh, over stimulus, uh, reintroducing yourself to situations makes them seem normal. You, mm-hmm. you, when you, the more you do something, uh, say you're constantly getting in car accidents by the 10th car accident, you're probably not jumpy anymore. You know what yep. I mean? Uh, and, and I, I kind of did that, do that with Andrew Doran and, yep. and it's funny you say it that way because I, in, of course, in great literary fashion, nothing comes without a cost. And, and in the first novel called the statement of Andrew Doran, uh, he actually explains, and and it's actually a, a rather large plot point that I won't go into too detail, too much detail on. But every time he touches the mythos, every time he reaches into it, uh, every time he he sees too much, it kind of fractures him a little. Because because a lot of the stuff that you see in Lovecraft, as, as described by Lovecraft, is mind shattering, is mind blowing. Well, okay, he can handle it, he can face it, he can run right at it. But at the same time, what's it cost him to do that? And I definitely got that feeling from when I was reading the Forever Gate. Yeah, that there is a cost, and and I completely agree with that. I think there should always, whenever you go up against something like this, there should be some kind of a cost. Uh, but yeah, I just like the fact that he, he's a, he the the cost isn't complete loss of his sanity. It's just something being slowly chiseled away from him. So yeah, I, how I, much I, of his I, humanity can he lo- afford to lose? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yep. I like that you you came to that as well. Yep. Oh yeah, definitely. And especially in Forever Gate, I really got that feeling. You know, it's like it's like every time he goes through one of those gates, every time he's 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 moving. He takes another step forward. And he deals with another one of these monsters. You know that there's just that little bit of him that's just getting chiseled away. Yeah. Well, and you also, not to toot my own horn, you also see it happen to his his cohorts as well. Like Bethany oh. has to make a choice, uh, like the spaceship thing. There's a spaceship situation. I won't go too deep, but in in the in the Forever Gate, and Bethany has to make a choice to help him there, that could cost them time. And and you can see every little thing in the Lovecraft mythos. I'm not. I don't give it. I don't let it not have consequences because it's no fun if it doesn't. <laughs> oh, I 100% agree. I 100% agree with that. But it's just it's nice to see something you know where they they can you know walk away. And even in even in uh, this this latest one, this the Journey to the Serpent Temple, there are consequences. I don't want to get too details again. Because I don't want to spoil the fantastic ending. At least I thought it was fantastic ending, but it's there. There are consequences to what Andrew has to do to resolve the issue he finds himself in the middle of. At least from my interpretation of, oh, yeah. of what he had to go through. Man, I can't wait till you get to book three. <laughs> I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, we really, after we go off the air, you know, I, I really need to get a list here from you. Oh, I'll, I'll send you everything. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. <clears throat> yeah. Sometimes that's the curse of being, you know, on this show is that, you know, we sit here and we go, you know, I really want to, I really want to, I really want to. And then you sit there and yeah. And now I've got a pile of books that's uh, going up well, towards and- the ceiling of, of stuff that I really want to. Well, and, and C.T. Phipps, uh, I've been friends with him uh, for years now, uh, basically since Broken Nights came out, because I, I reached out to him to find out how. That, that's literally how we met. I asked him, how do you advertise superhero books? Because <laughs> I wasn't getting anybody to pick it up, and I wanted to see, yeah, I wanted it to be picked up. 
And so I tweeted, I tweeted him. And since then we've been pals just helping each other out and everything. And, uh, it's it's funny because now now with ct phipps and all the lovecraft connections i've made and and everybody at crossroad press where we're published everybody's got these books that they were just passing around and my tbr pile is just humongous i'm never going to get through it but it doesn't it's stop ridiculous isn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh that that's why uh you know part of this uh part of doing this show is is the the unfortunate reality of having to put put aside oh, seven or eight hours a week of doing nothing but reading oh it's God, such a painful a, life it is it is it's horrible sure it really is my wife and my children hate me for it sorry <laughs> i have to go into the area 51 area and i can't be disturbed for another three hours Really? Really? You have to do that today? Yes, I'm sorry. I absolutely have to. Why? What are you doing? I'm reading comics for the next three hours. <laughs> it's it's a it's a hard knock life. It truly is. So how did you start writing with your brother? Oh, is my brother uh, is quite the imagination. He's played D and D. He's always been Mister Video Game, Mister Entertainment. He he's he consumes media in all of its formats. And uh, I I just decided one day, I was like, you know what, it'd be fun to see what kind of thing he put together. And so uh, I, I sent him a message just saying, hey, I'm thinking about writing a superhero novel. Why don't you write the plot? And and I because I'm I'm also selfish when I co-write. I, I want to be the one typing. Um, and so <laughs> I, I, I gave him a long list of just chapter one. Basic things should happen. Chapter two, bad thing happens to this guy. Uh, and I go, I want you to invent characters. I want you to just put everything you can into this story. Um, and then as I finish each chapter, I'll send it to you. You can review it and I'll make changes. Uh, and it actually surprisingly worked really well because he's he's not a writer. He doesn't he doesn't like sitting and writing things down, um, takes away too much from all the other stuff he wants to do. Uh, but he 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 knuckled to the grindstone there and he got this done. And there, there were a few small things. Uh, he wanted our hero to have one eye. And uh, and the way he wanted to do that, it was so funny. Uh, he's like, Matt, ice cream scoop to his eye. I go, Mike, you got to hold an ice cream scoop up to your eye and tell me how possible that is. Okay, that's not possible. I go, on top of that, <laughs> hey, buddy, he uh, he can't ha- not have depth perception if he's going to be a superhero. I was going to say, that's the biggest <laughs> problem is the whole yep. depth perception deal. Yeah, so outside of that, there was that and one other thing where we were just laughing like crazy about. Uh, but he basically put this whole plot together, and then by the time he was done, uh, he had written the novel. Uh, I just had to type it up. And then book two was kind of the same way. Uh, it was just it was just such a fun collaboration because you spend your whole life, no matter how much you love the guy, you spend your whole life arguing with your brother. I mean, that's what a brother is. And uh, But sitting down and just collaborating was probably the, one of the coolest things we've ever done together. And that became the two two book series, Broken Nights and Broken Nights Strange Worlds. Yep, and we're working on book three this year. Uh, we started working on it before uh, Avengers Endgame came out, and the original title for book three was Broken Nights Endgame. Uh, so that's not <laughs> happening now. Uh, that just we'll changed change the name. Yeah, yeah we got to come up with a new name. Um, but yeah, we're really excited to get that one going. He's still putting the plot together for me on that one. So... My guess is you've got like three or four projects all going at the same time. 
more than that. I have a list actually sitting next to me. I think, nope, that's not the list. I had a list sitting next to me. Uh, it, it's, um, I started writing in 2009. Uh, my first novel was Random Stranger. It was uh, kind of my um, ode to Neverwhere and uh, Neil Gaiman and uh, Good Omens and Terry Pratchett. Uh, it was Ooh. kind of a comic urban fantasy, uh, but it was also my first book. So I don't encourage you to pick that up. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I uh, I put out a second novel to that, and I, I someday I need to finish the third one I've had plans for and plot for for a while, and I was hoping to get to that this year. Um, I'm also uh, David Hambling, who's also in uh, Book of Yig and Tales of Yog Um He's he came up with a fun idea for another anthology we're doing, uh, and and CT Phipps has another one in mind as well, and and. What's great is I'm a big fan of crossovers. Uh, what, what really made all of this sing to me is I love the idea of Flintstones meets the Jetsons, uh, <laughs> CW's Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, Scooby-Doo meets Supernatural. You give me a crossover, and I am happier than I've been ever as far as entertainment media. Um, and so when when we all had the idea to start putting our works together, um, like David, uh, David Hambling has a character, Harry Stubbs, who constantly works with, um, and it takes place in the twenties. So a good 20 years before Andrew Doran's stories, um, has this character cross captain cross, who's just kind of a, a good plot pusher forward guy. He, uh, he loves to show up with the right equipment you need or have that little bit of knowledge you need. Um, and when we started doing the crossovers cross actually ended up an older cross has ended up in a couple of the Andrew Doran stories. Uh, you probably heard of him in Book of Yig. He, uh, he has a couple communication points there. And, and it's just fun to get that. I thought I recognized I'm going, is that the same cross I remember from the from the, uh, the, the Yogg's of Thoth? And I'm going, so thank you for confirming that I was oh, right. Yeah. That was the same one. Well, and, and on top of that, uh, what's fun is I, I never, I don't want to butcher someone else's characters. So I write how I want the scene to go. Um, and every cross, every cross thing, um, including a fun, uh, a fun scene in the third novel that's coming out. Uh, I have written how I want it to go. I send it to Hamling. He rewrites it. And I just take how he wrote it. This is how his characters talk. I'm doing it. Uh, and we put it right in the story as is. So that's actually David Hamling confirming and making that a cross. Very nice. Very time. nice. Oh, so yeah. If you're going to pay homage to him, you've, at least you need to do it right. Absolutely. Exactly. So, so, the, so the cross you have in Serpent Temple, that is 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 partially his writing, you know, yep. coming into your. Okay, that there's, would there's a, why it's... there's phone calls. There's these two phone calls that happen uh, between Cross and Andrew Doran in Serpent Temple, and right. both of those, every bit that's Cross was written entirely by David Hambling. I I just said what I want said, and he went and he rewrote it. Because I, I just love Cross as a character because you you get him going. It's like, and it reminds me of this story where I <laughs> yeah. was dealing with, and you got to cut him off. Otherwise, you're just never going to get a word in it. You, you should really dive into the Harry Stubbs novels. Uh, he he it, His character, his entire character from beginning to end, from Broken Meats to the most recent books, just so great. He's just he starts off and the best character development. He starts off as this nobody ex-boxer and he becomes the guy you see in. Uh, Book of Yig, the the investigator of the occult. I mean, and that happens over books. It doesn't happen 
instantly. Like Andrew Dorn just is Andrew Dorn for the most part with emotional growth. Harry Stubbs grows in many ways. <laughs> so what you're basically saying is you're setting me up for immortality because, you know, I can't ever die until I finished all of these books. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. I'm here to help. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so there's you, what you're saying, too, is there's <clears throat> another novel coming out that we're going oh, to have to read. Yeah. So is, I, uh, from the anthology standpoint, we, we've been talking. We want to do at least three. So we did Tales of the Alzif and we did uh, Tales of Yog Sothoth. Uh, so those same authors want to do at least a third. Uh, we've been talking about it. We haven't started serious discussions yet. Um, and then David Hamling and I, whenever we just we, we're kind of antsy. <laughs> so when we get antsy, uh, we put out uh, we did Time Loopers last year, uh, which is a time travel of Craftian anthology. Uh, and then we did Book of Yig, which just came out. And then we're actually talking about another one as well. We have actually started writing that one. Well, there seems to be a never ending supply of some great characters and some. Some some great uh, stories and some some wonderful thought and some really cool stuff happening here and and I can't thank uh, CT for turning me on to something I would have never gotten to on my own and pushing Matt Davenport onto me because this is certainly a place I would have never gotten to. Uh, without a gentle shove on the back of my head into the screen. So, so, geez, uh, Matt, I can't, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show tonight, man. I can't thank you enough for having me. I appreciate it very much. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about these stories, especially with people who enjoyed them. That's wonderful. I'm so happy you guys loved it. I mean, this is, this is, uh, the most fun I've had with the genre I know nothing about. <laughs> it's- this is the first taste is free. You know what they say? The first taste is free. You're about to lose your entire sanity. <laughs> well, that'll be a short trip. To you know, he's, he's you, you had it. me on five foot albino penguins with teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and that's if a Lovecraft you, original. I didn't come up with that. That is entirely if you, if Lovecraft. You, if you only knew how much you had me with that. So you got to promise me when the new Doran Al, uh, when the new Doran book comes out, you're going to come back. Gladly. I will come back as much as you want me to. It sounds like a plan. Well, Our guest to tonight has been an interesting chap, if ever there was one. Matthew Davenport. Thanks so much, man. Thanks again for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con, Plastic City Comic Con, and the Upper Valley Comic Expo. We are also sponsored by Dreamforge Magazine, a superb magazine of fantasy and science fiction, and Comic Art House. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. And if you're looking for a really great gift book for that rapidly approaching semi-annual Fairbanks Melt Day celebration, consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family now on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. My Peculiar Family, the audiobook, is available on Audible, because I'm not sure where else you could find it. 
Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. For more of his amazing stuff, just look at robwattsonline.com. And don't forget to try the Watts sauce. We have, we love it. Our outro was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. You can find Lawrence Made Me Cry's music on Bandcamp. And a whole lot of love to Jojo and Celine. Many thanks to the gang from his booking books. Thank you, Captain Cam. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Better things are coming, Stacy. Stay strong, Liz. So, unless it's daytime, good night, everybody. There once was a girl from Nantucket. Good night, everybody.